Welcome to Marketing Meets Web3, a podcast that helps marketers navigate the news, trends, opportunities, and insights surrounding Web3. Today's conversation is for information purposes only and does not constitute legal or investment advice. Hello, Nick. How you doing? Hey, Alberto. I'm doing well. How are you? You ready to do the news? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm really, I'm ready to do the news. Uh, I was waiting for you actually because uh, the first story today is about uh, Snoop Dogg, and um, I am really not a big fan. Well, I like him, I guess, but uh, I haven't listened to his music. But before we started recording, you told me the name of one song that apparently is very well known from Snoop Dogg, and it's kind of like a perfect way to introduce the news. So, can you tell me the name of this song? Drop it like it's hot. <laughs> How do you not know this song? <laughs> I feel that that name for that song could have been like a, an awesome entry point to this news. But yes, so Snoop Dogg is launching a um, NFT collection. Wait, is he launching or is he dropping? He's dropping it, of course. Okay. All right. <laughs> He's dropping this NFT collection. <laughs> He's dropping this NFT collection called the uh, Passport Series. And uh, it will be basically an NFT that will allow you to follow him around his uh, tours, um, making music around the world and uh, bringing it to the masses. So yeah, the idea is to have this NFT that is going to be like a, like a ticket, not to the event itself. Like remember last week we were talking about um, these tickets for, uh, for F1 uh, that allowed you to, to get into the, into the race in this case. They're not going to be able to use these tickets to get into the venue to, to listen to, to Snoopy, but they will be able to, uh, to use them to see what's, uh, you know, behind the scenes, uh, from, uh, from Snoop Dogg and his troubles. What do you think? Well, first of all, I'm impressed that you're on a first uh, name, nickname basis with Snoop. Uh, I don't think I can get, get away with calling him Snoopy, but good for you. <laughs> I can uh, do it because I'm too far away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is super interesting, right? Um, I think that he's doing something really smart here. Obviously, Snoop is he's pretty immersed in in the world of Web3 and Metaverse, and he's been experimenting with a bunch of different collaborations and a bunch of different ideas. So I think he sees a lot of potential in where this goes. I think this idea of an NFT that gives you behind-the-scenes access is really pretty interesting. And so I was having a conversation uh, not too long ago with somebody in the ticketing industry. And what a lot of people don't realize is that the there are a lot of contractual relationships around ticketing. So for instance, Ticketmaster, a huge ticketing firm here in the United States, they have very long contracts with venues. And so you know, an artist can't come in and just decide they want to use NFT tickets for their event. Um, so the venue and Ticketmaster have a relationship, they have a contract, and they're obligated to use Ticketmaster as the ticketing service provider. And so even if Snoopy wanted to come in and create NFT tickets, he couldn't really do that, right? It wouldn't be allowed by the contract between the venue and between Ticketmaster. And so this is an interesting way to kind of rethink the opportunity and do a runaround with ticketing where you're saying, you know what, this isn't going to be the ticket to the event. You'll have to, you'll still have to go through Ticketmaster or whoever for that. But this is a way to give you behind the scenes access. And I think it's cool for a couple of reasons. Number one, as an artist, like that's an additional revenue stream. Right. So as you know, Snoop can sell these things, probably not for the same price as a ticket, obviously, but 
for you know an accessible price, his fans can start interacting with him and get this this really more intimate view of what he's up to while he's on tour. Um, number two, it's it's a way for him to introduce people to his lifestyle, his persona without a high ticket price. You know, if we look at what happened with Taylor Swift and some of those tickets that went for literally $40,000 a seat, I mean, and that was obviously extreme, but the average ticket price, I was just reading last week, the average ticket price for a Taylor Swift concert in LA was like $1,500. They were actually saying that it was cheaper to buy a plane ticket and fly to South America to see Taylor Swift than it was to actually go to the concert in LA. That's that's crazy, right? And a lot of these ticket prices have become exorbitant to the point where the average person can't just plunk down $1,500 to go to a concert. You know, that's like a once in a lifetime experience, maybe. But at the same time, you have a lot of artists that you love and you follow and you want access to the cool stuff that they're doing. So this is an interesting way, I think, to reopen the doors to your audience in a way that's a lot more accessible and get more people, you know, involved in what you're doing as an artist behind the scenes. I just think this is a really interesting approach. And personally, I hope a lot of other artists follow suit because I'd, I'd love to be able to get access to things that are concert like or experience oriented without that crazy price tag. What do you think? Right. No, yes. In our previous episode, you, you commented on, uh, you having been to like uh, 500 concerts. So I guess you must be very worried about uh, the price of uh, tickets going going this high uh, because, uh, yeah, I don't know if you can keep it up if uh, the price stays like this. But uh, Not yeah, at 1500 bucks a pop, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's about time, to be honest, because uh, it was like two or three years ago, I heard about K-pop, this Korean pop. Yeah. And um, in, in K-pop, they sell everything. They sell... Uh, autographs they sell pictures they sell uh, everything that is around the concert so they sell tickets of course to the concerts but they also sell all the experience around it right and uh, everything has a price tag and uh, it was a bit surprising that okay maybe we're not so hardcore fans so much so much so much hard, hardcore here in uh, in in this part of the world maybe uh, but um, still i guess there's demand for this and uh, some some people will be willing to to pay for uh, an extra experience to get an autograph from snoop dogg or to get a picture with him and um, it's kind of something that i was expecting to ha to to see here before and i wasn't seeing it so maybe i don't know maybe they were waiting for for the nfts because uh, this these make the this experience easier i guess i don't know but uh, what was interesting was interesting to see is that this is finally happening and um and yes uh, actually uh, snoop presents it this way he, he says something like and i quote uh, with the passport series i can give my fans the opportunity to travel the world with me no one has ever done that uh, close quote and uh, yeah i mean this is pretty much the idea right it's like okay i'm gonna be doing all these things and they are pretty cool I also get to you know to sing at places, but I mean that's only part of uh, of the whole traveling, right? And there is there's YouTube videos, there is a lot of content created around this. So why why not make some of these videos um, exclusive to the to the NFT holders? I guess it's a I guess it's a no brainer, and it makes sense that Snoop Dogg is doing this because uh, he seems to be everywhere. The other day I was watching some uh, Rick and Morty episode, and uh, in the last season, I think it's season six, they were commenting on Snoop Dogg being everywhere. So if they're making jokes of Snoop Dogg being everywhere in Rick and Morty, it, it, it must mean that he's actually you know being everywhere. <laughs> uh, he is everywhere. <laughs> IRL in the metaverse. Yeah, I, you know, there's another cool thing here that 
pokes out at me, which is, and they're, they're hinting at it. They're not giving us any detail, but they're saying that this is an evolving digital tour collectible. And, you know, one of the things that we've been talking about quite a bit over the past few months is this notion of dynamic NFTs and how an NFT will be able to change based on your interaction with a brand or your interaction with an artist. I'm really curious to see, you know, how deep they drill into this. I could, I could see this being a really engaging experience if done well. Um, you know, where as a fan, you're interacting with Snoop, the NFT is changing based on what he's doing. It's changing based on what you're doing. And now you almost have like to, to the holder of the NFT, it's going to feel like you have more of a one-to-one relationship with this artist because there's this interplay between him, between you, and that's reflected in this surface area of the NFT. So there, there are some really see, cool ideas here. I see one risk. Let me let me take this out for you. So what if you know you create this NFT and it's cool, people buy it, and uh, then you create another NFT? Um, what is it? What is the legal capacity of the first NFT, like to to get access to to you know to his life, you know when when on tour? Is is it is it gonna be like one NFT per tour? Is this is this NFT going to be evolving so that you can actually follow him on every tour? Uh, what do you think? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, you know, we as as we've seen with this first sort of iteration uh, with NFT hype cycle, there were a lot of projects who wanted to give, you know, lifetime access to everything. And I think people quickly figured out like that's not a sustainable business model. Not only can you not do that because you're only really generating income once and then you have to deliver on this promise forever, but it's also just I think it's counterintuitive to the way that we think about buying things or accessing things in the world. Like I think there is an expectation that there's a limited time on most things, right? Like everything has sort of a life cycle. So I think as long as they're transparent with the community as they're building this out and they're saying like, hey, you know, this is good for the first tour or for two tours or, you know, this is you're going to have to have this one to get the next one. Whatever the rules of the game are, I think it's just important that they're clear about those rules and that people understand that, you know, even post-purchase, if they're clear about that and they say, okay, you get access and this access runs out on X date or you get access to the following things. It's just about being you know, above board with your with your community. Yeah, I guess what's interesting about doing this with NFTs is that I know, for instance, let's say I I am a big fan of uh, of him now, and I buy this NFT, and it uh, it gives me access. But then I I don't like him anymore, <laughs> so maybe I can sell this NFT. Yeah, sure. And uh, and and I guess you could you could code into the NFT that some of the royalty paid uh, goes back to to Snoop Dogg. So by selling one. You can still, um, you know, continue to get uh, revenue from from this one as it continues to be sold between uh, between fans that, that decide to to use it or not. Yeah, and I mean that's the the fun, adventurous thing about Web three. We have a lot of new ways that we can explore what happens after the sale. What happens when a fan no longer becomes a fan? What happens when a fan wants to introduce somebody new to the fan ecosystem? We have a lot more opportunities now where it's like, you know, and in the analog world of the past, I had a concert t-shirt, right? And I would wear that shirt and a friend would say, oh, that's a cool band. You know, what are they about? And I would introduce them. And that was really the only way that I could bring them into the ecosystem, right? I would have to like physically wear something or show my allegiance as a fan and then share the music. And this is another way that we can start experimenting with fandom in a digital capacity. So, you know, fan to fan interaction, 
introducing people to new things in new ways and giving them more opportunities, whether it's a transfer of an NFT or linking an NFT to another NFT, like just a lot of new ways to think about what it means to be a fan. Yeah, in the case of the next story, uh, I would very much like to show my fandomness uh, by just coming to the place in one of these. <laughs> and uh, this story is about uh, Mercedes Benz, of course, the the cars. Can you introduce um, this story? Yeah. So the headline here is that Mercedes Benz Web3 arm to release NFT collection with digital art community fingerprints DAO. So there's a bunch of stuff to dig in here. Um, yeah. So digital art organization Fingerprints DAO, which is a DAO focused on digital art, is collaborating with Dutch artist uh, Harm van der Droppel. I've totally murdered that name. I'm okay. sorry. <laughs> Droppel, I'm sorry about that. Um, so Mercedes-Benz is going to, they're collaborating to release a generative art NFT collection that's going to be inspired by automotive concepts, obviously produced by the artist. Um, this is an extension of... A, a recent uh, release by Mercedes-Benz around their uh, their next initiative. So Mercedes-Benz has a new Web3 studio or a Web3 initiative um, called Next. And it's really a framework how for how they're, they're outlining their interaction with Web3. And it's kind of three phases. So they have, uh, let me see if I can pull this up. They've got their core projects, which are basically... Um, very close to the brand narrative and kind of endorsed and produced by the brand, by the, uh, their digital team, their creative studio called Zero Next or Zero X Next. They then have their satellite projects, which are one-time projects that stand alone. So these could be more uh, in, in line with things like particular activations for events or you know things that are kind of moments in time. Um, so they're not really part of the you know, long running brand narrative, but they're still connected to the brand narrative. And then they have this notion of peripheral projects, which are, these are third parties. So these are community driven projects. They're independent from Mercedes, um, but they're still linked to the community. And what I think is really cool about this is for a lot of NFT projects who are really building with their communities, it hasn't been clear, you know, how a brand should interact with the community. And it's a very fuzzy line between where does the brand end? Where does the community begin? And I think that's actually part of the magic here is that, you know, as a brand, you want to be able to involve your community in co-creation in participation. But at the same time, where do you draw the line and say, this is us, this is the brand, you know, and, and we need to maintain some control um, and have some autonomy here for a bunch of different reasons, you know, business motivations, legal ramifications. Um, so what Mercedes-Benz is doing with this project is they're basically releasing this NFT collection under that core umbrella. So that first stage of collaboration that's uh, it's inter interrelated, it's coherent, it's connected to the Mercedes brand. They've partnered uh, with this Dutch artist to create these different generative art pieces that are going to be inspired by motion, um, by uh, like wheels, by movement. Um, so that's, yeah, pretty, pretty cool first steps from Mercedes. Yeah, I like that there is a framework. Actually, they call it framework for this because uh, in most cases, I mean, not in all cases, to be fair, but in some cases, um, and the, the brands just go around uh, creating these collections and it's not really clear right. whether they are part of a system or they're just trying it or they're just testing. Uh, but this, uh, this Mercedes-Benz uh, being German and all, uh, they have a plan for this, uh, very, very schematized uh, and it's very clear uh, where in which part of it uh, we are now and uh, yeah, as you said 
they're selling this uh, they're auctioning this uh, these nfts and uh, they're doing this auction and i think it's it's good to to t- take a minute to explain this auction thing because we talk about um, these projects selling nfts or auctioning nfts all the time and uh, we've never taken the time to explain how some of these auctions work and uh, in this case well being a um, being a piece of art in this case designed by a dutch artist uh van den Dorpel. uh of course uh, they're using a dutch auction which is uh which is one that works um, in a very complex way well not, not really that complex it's basically the opposite of a normal of a normal auction but um in uh, in anticipation for this we asked the ai to explain it to us in a way that everybody can understand so i'm just going to quote uh mr or mrs ai if you give me a second here can't wait yeah yeah <laughs> so this is how ai explains uh, what a dutch action is auction uh let's say there's a box of chocolates everybody understands that that a group of kids wants to buy together the auctioneer starts the auction by announcing a very high price for the box let's say a hundred dollars then the auctioneer begins to low to lower the price by smaller amounts until one of the kids decides to accept the price and buy the chocolates so for instance, the auctioneer might lower the price by $10 every 30 seconds. The kids can indicate their interest in buying the chocolates by raising their little hands or pressing a button. As uh, the price decreases, more kids may become interested and raise their hand. When a kid decides the current price is acceptable, they raise their hand and win the auction. The auction ends and that kid purchases the chocolate, the chocolates at the last announced price in this way the dodge auction allows the price to find its own level based on the participants willingness willingness to accept it rather than competing to increase the price what do you think okay so thank you chat gpt uh, for educating us about a dutch auction yeah and just to to recap that real quick just compared to a normal auction so a normal auction that you might see like on OpenSea um or you know traditional drop really is uh, based on the English auction system, it's more in line with something like eBay, where you have you, you basically have an opening price, an optional opening price, and then people bid that price up. And so, you know, eventually somebody buys, but the price continues to go up. A Dutch auction works the other way around. So with a Dutch auction, you start with an opening price, which is generally high, right? And it's generally targeting what you want the, the upper end to be. And then people bid that down. So that the, the system bids it down. So over time, the price declines. And then when people think like, oh, that's I wanted at that price, they start buying. And so with an NFT collection that usually, you know, it's multiple pieces. So in this case, I think they're going to have a thousand NFTs. I have to look at the numbers again. But as people start bidding that price down, it starts lowering the the buy price on the NFT until they're all gone. Um, yeah. And there, you know, it's an interesting way to run an auction. I think one, it's a little bit more, uh, I think it's a little bit more equitable. So, you, you know, as, as an artist, as a brand, you can say, okay, you know, we think this, we don't want to see people go crazy over the prices here, right? We, we don't want people to end up spending millions of dollars on this NFT. Um, and there could be, you know, for a variety of reasons, maybe it's out of line with the brand narrative. Maybe, uh, you want to make sure that it's easy enough for, all people to get access to this thing. Um, and so you can say, you know, the, the most we want somebody to spend on this NFT is say $500. 
Um, and so that basically guarantees that you're going to create an opportunity for people to buy up to that price. Um, so it's an interesting, interesting choice. I'm curious to see what the price actually turns out to be at opening and where it ends up by the time they sell out, if they sell out. So, yeah. Yeah. The, well, to be fair, I, I understood the, the chocolate explanation better, but that's probably <laughs> but because the, you like chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> there was an incentive in there for me to understand how it worked. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by Step 3, an engagement marketing platform that helps brands build deeper customer relationships. Step 3 makes it easy to design custom branded membership programs that include rewards like exclusive content, VIP event passes, merchandise, discounts, and more. Unlock new revenue streams and enhance customer lifetime value with Step 3's easy-to-use no-code tools. Go to step3.io to learn more. One last point I wanted to touch on in this uh, in this uh, piece of news is the the collaboration in this case between Mercedes and uh, our Dutch guy Van den Van den Dorpel. and um, I think I think this is interesting because of course it's not the first time a an artist collaborates with a brand, but uh, it may be because I'm looking at it more often or, or or maybe not, but I see that um, these collaborations between brands and artists become easier and then more often and uh, more common with uh, with NFTs than uh, than previously. I don't know. What do you think? Is it, is it? Am I biased? No, I think you're right, and I, I think it's for a couple of reasons. You know, if you think about a collaboration prior to NFTs, like that collaboration had to center on, you know, a work of art. And so when we're talking about works of art, sure, it could be a piece of digital art, but where is that art going to end up, right? Maybe it's going to end up in a museum. Maybe it's going to be part of an activation, but it's it's kind of limited in the distribution of that piece of art. Or if you look at a traditional like commission relationship where maybe Mercedes says, hey, uh, you know, we want to commission this artist to create a beautiful sculpture for our corporate garden or for, you know, some, some area that's going to be seen by the public. Again, limited interaction with that art, limited sort of ability to distribute that art to be seen or to be interacted with. What's different about NFTs is you're creating art that can now be distributed at scale and to a global audience. And so this is an opportunity now for artists to be able to work with brands in a way that's I think more enticing for them because instead of my art being seen by, you know, a few hundred people who might walk by that piece of art, it could be anybody and everybody. And also because the brand's putting their endorsement behind that collaboration, now it's giving me more sort of uh, promotional power as an artist. So I think it's a win-win for both brands and for artists. And it's just, there's something more accessible, more easily, to, you know, easier to distribute with a medium like NFTs than a, a painting on a wall. Right. Yeah. It comes down to, to distribution. And uh, if there's one thing that we love uh, being distributed, it's uh, tequila, of course. Uh, so, <laughs> of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so, so the Santo Spirits Club NFT loyalty program will reward members with a tired tiered uh, perks, including an opportunity to win a virtual tequila tasting with uh, some person called Hagar that I don't know, and maybe you know, and some other person called Fieri that I don't know either, and uh, as well as autographed guitars, which makes me think that you have already signed up to this. 
of course I've signed up for it, but, but let's fill in the gaps on who these, who these people are. Um, so Hagar, Sammy Hagar, um, was the lead singer of Van Halen, an iconic rock and roll band in the United States. Uh, Fieri is Guy Fieri, who is a celebrity personality. I'll call him a celebrity culinary personality. I'm not going to go as far as saying he's a celebrity chef. He is his claim to fame. He, he was the host of a show called Diners, uh, Drive-Ins and Dives, where he would basically go around the United States and he would go into these like greasy restaurants and he would look for like the highest calorie content, greasy food you could find that was also delicious. Um, so he, he doesn't, I mean, he does cook, but that's not really his, his stick. He's, he's more of a host. Um, so these two are teaming up, you know, greasy food, rock and roll, tequila, right? It's, you know, kind sounds, of like everything. Sounds like a pretty good combination to me. Uh, yeah. So they're starting this, uh, Santo Spirits Club, some sort of loyalty program, um, where you can become a member via an NFT and then get access with that NFT to a bunch of perks. And I think they've, they're a little light on the details right now. We know autographed guitars are coming, um, which of course is why I signed up. Um, and then they've got this idea of a mystery NFT. What's, what's that about? Well, of course, the mystery is in is in is in itself a mystery. So I, I don't really know, but they they do see that. Oh, well, I mean, you're you're on this. a first name basis with Snoop Dogg. You're, you're calling yeah. him. I figured maybe you have a back channel to some of this information. <laughs> yeah, but I I don't know who these people are, so, <laughs> so I cannot really go and, and ask them. But I can ask Snoopy to get me his contact or their contact. Uh, but, yeah, but yeah, so this. Uh, when you sign up for this, and, and you did already, so you probably you probably received this already, you received a, a mystery NFT and a bonus NFT. And uh, this will be available to the first thousand people that signed up. I don't know if you were part of those first thousand. I don't know, maybe if you are later, you don't receive the bonus or the other one. Anyway, when you receive, uh, when you get one of these uh, NFTs, then uh, you become, I guess, you just you, you become part of the loyalty program. And by being, by being part of this loyalty program, then you will be able, potentially, I guess, to receive some of these um, perks or or items. There is uh, there is one uh, there is one thing I wanted to comment on in here, which is um, which is that um, related to when we're talking about um, the Snoop Dogg um, story, it's again an idea. It's, it's again a, a story here about connecting with uh, fan bases. Of course, I, I mean, I'm sure this guy was a very nice lead singer, but I guess he's not as big as uh, as Snoop Dogg. But uh, but yeah, he he him and and the other person, the the culinary expert, uh, not so. Uh, <laughs> they, they both have uh, fan bases, and uh, we w when you do this. When you do this kind of loyalty program, you are again appealing to these fan bases. So you are telling to the people that uh, are followers of these of these persons that, hey guys, uh, there's this thing coming on, and if you want to be part of something that uh, this guy Fury and Hagar are doing, then uh, you know get into this um, get into this program and get this NFT, and uh, this will allow you to get something. In this case, it's not really clear what you're getting. I mean, in the case of Snoop Dogg, when we we're talking about before you are supposedly going to be getting like a behind the scenes stuff uh in this case it's more like you're going to be receiving stuff uh but um yeah i don't know at the end we will need to see uh, what comes out of, of either of these but in, in both cases i think um, they're both trying to connect with uh, their fans in a different way in this case using uh, using nfts so i think it's uh it's nice to see this playing in different ways and i guess we will see 
we will see a, a recipe <laughs> that works better than others. Uh, I don't know. And this introduces me to another point that I wanted to discuss when talking about uh, different recipes, different ways to cook, to cook the sausage. And this is one thing that I, I noticed when uh, researching this news, that was that um, in this case, uh, this, this um, program is being, um, is being built on the near protocol uh, by some, um, by some um, company. And in the case of uh, Snoop Dogg, it was being built uh, somewhere else. I don't remember the blockchain now, but by a different uh, studio. In this case, called Transient Labs. My point is that we are seeing plenty different place, plenty different studios or companies um, making um, um, making NFTs in different ways, and. Um, I guess they're testing different recipes. I don't know if uh, this is something that at some point will be be more concentrated, and you know, when they find the recipe that works, they will all go for this one, and we will see uh, less uh, or more concentration, less um, less uh, agencies or companies doing ma making this. I don't know. What, what do you think about about this? I don't think anytime soon. Like I don't think we're going to see consolidation on the creative side of these projects. Um, at the end of the day, these are. These are marketing agencies or marketing divisions of brands that are collaborating with brands on their creative vision. And that's not something that I think, I mean, even if there's a pattern, even if there's a playbook, I don't think you can easily reduce that sort of collaboration to, um, you know, a standardized sort of service. Like the reason why agencies get good at whatever they specialize in is because they do have some special sauce. And some of that special sauce is often the way that they approach the collaboration, the type of creative talent that they're working with, the relationships that they have with technology vendors. So I, I think that there's going to be, you know, actually, I actually think we're going to go the other direction where we're entering a period of um, seeing a lot more variety in the types and amount of providers, technology providers that support Web3 initiatives like this. Um, if we think back to like the early days of the internet, um, you know, now a lot of the, you know, website creation tools have been consolidated into like products even. But in the beginning, it was thousands and thousands and thousands of small web studios that were collaborating with media agencies, with advertising agencies, with digital studios to create web experiences. And I think we're, we're just going down that same path with Web3. So I actually think we're going to see more of these companies behind the scenes powering a lot of these experiences, collaborating to build these things. Um, and I don't think it's going to like concentrate to a handful of providers anytime soon. But going back uh, to what the, about Yeah, what, what about the, the, the protocol itself? Because in this case, they're using Near. And uh, in, in, remember, in the last last week, we were commenting on um, some 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 different projects that were being built on Polygon. Uh, there are some over Ethereum. What do you think of that? I, I think a lot of the choice of protocol comes down to um, the audience and the community that you're trying to build. And so, you know, in some situations, there could be a technology reason for choosing a protocol. Um, maybe that protocol, you know, allows some special capability. But I think for most NFT projects, it's about, you know, where is your audience? How can we make this as accessible as possible? Um, and then and then choosing the chain from there. So, you know, I haven't seen Near as a protocol of choice for too many NFTs, but, you know, choose the tool for the right tool for the job and, and not the other way around. And so I think this is going to come down to, again, a lot of variety that we'll see with these different projects launching. And at the end of the day, what's going to define success won't be the technology so much as their, the, the brand's ability to build excitement, to build an audience, to use this as an actual channel 
for customer engagement versus just a technology experiment. Yeah, the, I guess. The, there, there is one thing I wanted to touch on, though, in, in the strategy here. So, you know, they're making these bonus NFTs available to the first thousand members that sign up. And something that caught my eye in that that detail is that they're trying to incentivize this really early nexus of fans. And, you know, for a while now in the world of like content creators, there's been the, the idea of a thousand true fans. Right. So you need just a thousand people who really believe and support in your work to be able to create a sustainable living. Um, I think there's something similar happening here, thinking about, you know, NFT communities as a platform for building a more engaged fan base, where even if you're opening a membership program to everybody and your eventual goal, obviously, is to make that as open and as accessible as possible. By incentivizing that first group of adopters, in this case, a thousand members as the early adopters are going to get something special. Um, I think you're kind of bootstrapping your community that way. I think that gives you a really strong way to identify, okay, who are the, we've got fans and then we've got super fans, you know, and who are the super fans who are actually going to go above and beyond and help us actually leverage this platform as a, as a channel for growth. So be interested to see how this plays out. I think we're going to see a lot more of the ex these experiments with memberships um, and NFTs because I think it's the the obvious next move for a lot of the, the brand loyalty plays. Yeah, I'm curious to to find out what is in your mystery NFT box. Uh, when you when you find out, please um, let me know. It's it's an autographed guitar. I hope. <laughs> we all hope. <laughs> okay, good to see you, Nick. Uh, thank you. Thanks, my friend. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to Marketing Meets Web3. If you enjoyed today's episode, please like and subscribe in your favorite podcast app.